Welcome to the Good Dog Pod. Every Wednesday, we discuss all things dogs, from health and veterinary care to training and behavior science. Follow us and join Good Dog's mission to build a better world for our dogs and the people who love them. Because I have both of you here, and you are experts on this, and the whole impetus for this and the whole idea for this discussion came because I stumbled upon the paper that you guys co-authored, Aggression Toward Familiar People, Strangers, and Conspecifics. So can you both touch on aspects of that paper and what you found? I feel like aggression is probably the most concerning reason for giving up a dog, either to euthanasia or to a shelter. And it's probably a very common reason. It's also a very dangerous activity of dogs at times. And so we decided, my co-author Parveen Farhoudi and I decided to just isolate that and just look at that and ask if that was a factor related specifically to the age at which the dog was gonadectomized. And yes, we joined with Dr. Serpel and used the CBARC data for that to just ask that question. Is there any change in aggression, either more or less, related to age at gonadectomy. And so we had dogs divided into groups where they were gonadectomized at or before six months of age, between seven and 12 months of age, between 13 and 18 months of age, or later than that, or left intact. And essentially, you know, there's this feeling, there's a belief in the population that intact dogs are more aggressive. And I think the main findings of this study were that they aren't more aggressive. And in fact, there was no significant change in aggression one way or the other for any of the groups, except for more aggression in dogs that were spayed or neutered between 12 and 18 months of age. Uh, And so I think it's just a small piece of what Dr. Serpel has done in the whole behavioral concept, because what he's done with many other authors is much greater. But I think that we have to get past this idea that everyone seems to have that intact dogs are more aggressive, particularly male dogs are more aggressive when they're intact. I think we have to get past that. But I think we also, I'd like to mention here that I think there are also options that are available, some of which are available in other countries, like in Australia, they have a very viable chemical castration methodology. Maybe Dr. Serpel has done some behavioral studies with that as well. I believe he has. But we have to also understand that Removing the gonads is not the only way to prevent a dog from procreating. I think we have to really open that up here in particular. I think there needs to be more research done into some of the other ways of preventing a dog from procreating also. And I think they should be given as options, particularly vasectomy should be given as an option to clients who want to prevent their dog from breeding. And so... We have a little more trouble with females because we don't actually have any good studies on vasectomy in males. I'm not sure of any, actually, although I know it's a relatively easy surgery that's accessible by pretty well any veterinarian. But I think the females are a little tougher because we know that retaining their uterus puts them at much greater risk of getting pyometra, which can be a fatal condition. So we'd like to get rid of the uterus if possible if we've decided to sterilize the dog, but maybe retain those hormones that are preserved by not removing the ovaries. But never been any studies on this. So that's a big caution. And just as Dr. Serpel said, the fact that we have not done any study looking prospectively 
at the effects of spayed and neutered dogs on behavior or health in a prospective manner with a large sample of dogs is kind of astounding when you figure the millions and millions of dogs that are subjected to this surgery and the potential effect not only on their lives, but of course, since they're family members, the lives of everybody that they interact with. Okay, this has been great. So I'm going to try to open this up a little bit for some questions from our attendees. You did touch on the vasectomy, so that's great because somebody was asking about that. We do have a question here too. Somebody was wondering if there were any studies that were done on mixed breeds. Is there any difference? And Dr. Spell, you might be able to talk to this a little bit with the CBARC data. Do we know? I know you've gotten some information about mixed breeds in there too, haven't you? And do we know anything about that spay, neuter, and nose dogs? Yeah, I'm trying to remember now whether the study that Paul McGreevy did included mixed breed dogs. I think it probably did, but I'm not sure. I I think it does, as I recall. Yeah. The problem with mixed breed dogs is, you know, it's such a diverse category. You don't know what the mix is. So the kinds of people who complete the sea bark have to say if they don't know what breed the dog is, but then we don't have any information other than the body size as to what kind of dog we're dealing with. So it could be a very large mixed breed dog or a very tiny mixed breed dog and that makes life difficult from a standpoint of trying to compare them in a meaningful way with the purebreds but yeah the mixed breeds as far as i know are showing the same effects okay this is sort of off topic but somebody asked a question about is there any parallel research regarding either health impacts or behavioral impacts in cats for gonadectomy that was not something that we would have prepared for but I'm not aware of any. No, I've read a couple of articles that seem to show that they have the same effects on growth patterns. But I would say, reproductively, cats and dogs are very different. Very different. And I really would caution about applying anything that we're talking here to cats. Yeah. And I know they've done some research looking at lower urinary tract disease. And I think male cats are more predisposed to urethral obstructions if they've been neutered. But don't hold me to that. I don't know if they've done great studies on that. Okay, so just last thoughts. What would you recommend? Do you have any thoughts, recommendations for owners and breeders that are contemplating spaying, neutering? What do you think? Just discussion with their veterinarian? What would you say are the main things that they should consider? I'm going to head that one first because in human medicine, we now have a thing called personalized medicine. And so a person that has cancer, several people could have breast cancer and they're not all treated the same because different individuals have different components that may make one treatment more sensible than another. We're taking into account that individual. And I think that as veterinarians, we need to practice personalized veterinary medicine on the dogs that we're dealing with. And I feel distressed that many times veterinarians are the least educated about these issues. And I think we need to really work on helping them understand that this is an evolving question and that they need to practice personalized veterinary medicine on every dog, taking into account many different factors and the science as it exists currently, and that their responsibility is to be cognizant of the current science, because this is something that so affects a dog's entire life and their relationships with their people. And I'll turn that over to you, James. Yeah, I totally agree. The only thing I'd want to add maybe is by highlighting the example of Scandinavia, where at least historically, they don't approve of surgically sterilizing animals unless there's a medical reason for doing so. 
So Scandinavia manages to live with a population of dogs that are largely intact for their whole lives. And they do not have a pet overpopulation problem. They do not have incidents of dog bites and behavior problems that's off the scale. So really, this is about people. It's not about the dogs. And most owners who are responsible are perfectly well able to handle a reproductively intact dog. It just requires a different way of dealing with that animal. And, you know, we should think twice before we subject these animals to these procedures. Yes, I can totally understand why you might want to spay your bitch. Or if you've got a totally obnoxious male dog who's incorrigible and is becoming a nuisance, then by all means, castration is an option you can try, but it's by no means a guarantee that it's going to fix that behavior problem. The behavior problem may be nothing to do with its gonads. This is, like Chris says, you know, treat each case as unique and handle that case as you think the dog and the owner are both going to be benefited by. But don't just jump in there and automatically recommend that the animal be sterilized. And let's not forget that many of these issues are trainable. I mean, I've had unneutered male dogs my whole life, and they might mark in my house once, but they never do again. So it's trainable. Yeah. Absolutely. Do either of you know of any resources that the breeders could hand out with the pros and cons of, you know, early spay neuter that they can hand out to puppy owners, like anything that's in lay language? I have a document on my website that I encourage people to download. It's a PDF. My website is www.caninesports.com with canine spelled out like a real word and caninesportsplural.com. You're welcome to go there under useful information. There's a PDF there in which I summarize with all of the references a number of the more recent studies on spaying and neutering. Somebody asked you if you have, because we don't really have the research, is there a minimum age? Like if the puppy family really wants to spay and neuter, is there a time limit? Would you say at worst, wait till they get through puberty and they at least get those hormones for growth? Or do you have any recommendations? Yeah, if they really want to remove the gonads, I would recommend that they let the dog go through puberty. And so does that age vary by So it's 14 months. If they wait until 14 months, that dog's growth plates have pretty well closed. And at least the orthopedic manifestation, you know, the risk of orthopedic manifestations is probably for the most part done. Although, again, we don't 100% have the research on that. And has anyone looked into hormone replacement for those dogs? They have. There are people studying that. There's no good data on it. No study that has shown either a dose or the right hormone. I think it's very, very complex. And any women who have had hormone therapy know that it's an extremely complex question. I don't expect that to be solved in dogs very soon. And there may be unintended consequences like there are with women too, probably. Exactly. Yeah. Are there any other questions, Monica, Kat, that you guys have seen? I'm sorry, it's really hard for me to pay attention. We had an interesting question that is kind of wondering on about your opinion on how to handle this with respect to the shelter rescue world, where, you know, there's still obviously a lot of pediatric spay neutering going on and they have different considerations than the dog breeder world. You know, is there anything based on what you both know that you would think kind of a sensible approach or not as concerning of an approach as pediatric spay neuter? 
my feeling is that at least for males, a vasectomy is a perfectly suitable way to prevent a dog from procreating if that's the shelter's main concern. It can be done at any age, and it's a relatively easy surgery. It's almost as easy as doing a castration. So I recommend that for males. For females, we're a bit of a conundrum. The studies just haven't been done. I know you can do a hysterectomy and leave the ovaries in in a female. We just don't have the data to say what the long-term effects of that will be. Amazing. I would agree. I mean, it is a bit of a dilemma for the shelters, and there is an increasing amount of evidence that spay-neuter policies early on did contribute to the decline in the number of unwanted animals that were euthanized. So shelters are very set in their ways on this issue. But now that many shelters seem to have got the excess population of animals under some control in some parts of the country, maybe it's time for them to start being a bit more discerning about this recommendation or this policy of neutering every animal. Somebody asked, do you guys know, well, Dr. Stapel, you are in a vet school. With all of this research coming out, are the vet schools starting to pay attention? Are they teaching differently or teaching this at all differently? Yes, I would say that veterinary schools are taking notice of these new research findings and modifying their curriculum accordingly. But that takes a lot of time and there's a lot of inertia in the system. But I think students are also reading some of this literature and are querying their professors and saying, well, what about this? You know, what, what do you have to say about this? And I've heard some both positive and very guarded responses from their lecturers <laughs> who I think are, you know, are reluctant to step out of the comfort zone on these issues. I'll actually say, I think Penn is a leader in this because one of my best friends graduated from Penn just a few years ago and she was taught that people should be encouraged to wait until maturity to spay or neuter. So it's a good trend, but I agree with Dr. Sir Pellets, a very slow process. Um, yeah. My experience at Purdue was that they were starting to discuss it because there's a group there that's doing research with Scotties and they're looking at TCC and early spay neuter and they're looking for that association. So I know they were talking about it a little bit because they were finding that. And then there's a couple of questions that we had about spaying retired dams. Would you recommend that? I mean, those bitches are probably a little bit older, so they'd at least have gone through puberty. Right. So there's definitely a risk of pyometra that increases as the dog ages. But also at Purdue, you know, Dr. David Waters has been supported by the National Institutes of Aging to look at aged dogs. And he's shown definitively that bitches live longer the longer that they have their ovaries So we again have this dilemma, but I really recommend for these retired bitches, for the owner to at least look into having a hysterectomy. Let them maintain their ovaries, but get rid of that uterus that is going to make them at a higher risk for pyometra, which is a very serious condition. And Dr. Spell, I think this one could be for you. Why are some neutered dogs aggressive towards intact dogs and what kind of policy would you I would love to know about parks to avoid fights. It's a really interesting question, and one that I've come across quite a lot. It's not clear to me entirely why they are. I think the most obvious suggestion is that they're quite intimidated. And so it's a defensive reaction. The dog shows just because it's confronted probably by a male dog that looks much more confident and calm 
than the neutered dog feels in that situation. So it's a kind of defensive behavior, I think. So they're not going out of their way to be aggressive towards other dogs, but if they're approached by an intact male dog, they freak out and then become aggressive. Do you think that there's, like, or at least being neutered because they don't get that hormonal influence when their brains are still developing as well during adolescence, do you think it makes them more, I don't know, do they ever fully mature? I don't know. Does it change the way that they interact with intra-dog interactions? Do they remain more puppyish? Do we know anything about that? I wouldn't have said they remain more puppyish. It's a very poorly defined notion, but there's something about a mature intact dog that is just more mature. Yeah. They're less reactive. They seem to deal with the problems of life in a more stable and calm way. And what you tend to see with the neutered dogs when they reach adulthood, so to speak, is that they don't show that change in behavior. They don't show that transition to becoming a mature stable adult. So they remain more reactive, more uncertain about their environment. Interesting. Yeah. Oh my gosh. It's just absolutely fascinating. Thank you both so, so much. This has been just really, oh my goodness, I think we're all going to be rewatching it. Thank you so much. And thank you everybody for joining us. A couple of things to note, we will be circulating links to all of the studies that you all want to read, which is so wonderful. And we'll be circulating a recording of this webinar and a couple of things to know also with respect to kind of how Good Dog can help with some of the questions around spay-neuter. One of the things that we can do is help with follow-up to your puppy buyers. If you are trying to follow up and make sure kind of what your plan was is going well, we can take care of some of that. We're really excited actually to also kind of thinking about with respect to Seabark, what a huge opportunity that there is there with respect to all the puppy buyers who are coming through Good Dog to be able to have that go out and get you that information. I think that's a really exciting thing that we're looking ahead to. And then lastly, as some of you who are good breeders may have seen, we have been collecting vet recommendations, breeder vet recommendations, as well as breeder lawyer recommendations. So what we will do as part of our collection of vet recommendations is try and find some of the vets that are more focused on personalized medicine and maybe more up to speed on the latest in spay neuter. So we'll follow up with all of that for all of you. And thank you. Thank you so much, all of you. Thank you, Dr. Serpel. Thank you, Dr. Z. This was amazing. Absolutely amazing. I think we all hope to have you back very soon because yeah, just a fantastic hour. Thank you everybody so much for joining us. Thank you. Have a great afternoon, everybody. See you next week. (laughs) 